about your yeah. notes and your memory alpha? Uh, I don't know that memory alpha is going to help us any here. <laughs> <laughs> For reasons that will become apparent. Hello. I love. I don't know why I keep doing the Tim Rogers. I'm watching too many of his videos. Because his videos are great. That's why. I mean... I just re rewatched the spoiler one. Did I tell you I subscribed to his Patreon? You did tell me. Uh, That's great. I feel like the money, 36 bucks a year, if he makes these two-hour videos, five-hour videos, whatever they end up being all the time. Uh, thus far, all of them have been three hours. I think he said the next one is two. I, I feel like I am helping to create a net benefit for gaming society. <laughs> I... I love, I was watching his stream a while back and someone responded, he responded to someone in the chat who was like, why don't you, you know, he makes these videos and he cuts them up into like parts or whatever. It's like three hours, but there's like chapter one, chapter whatever. And they, they all have names. They're not chapter one, but it's like, you know, part one. Yeah. He has like this. usually five parts or what, however many parts, right? Mm -hmm. For Final and, Fantasy eight, he had eight parts. Right. Why wouldn't he? And the... And someone's like, well, why don't you just break these up into separate videos? It's better. The videos are shorter. That's the thing that people say that you need to do. Like, he says, like, the number one comment he gets from people unsubscribing from his Patreon is that the videos are too long. He wishes he made shorter ones. And I, he's like, and I then he's like, agree. and he's like, no, I yeah. don't want to make shorter ones. I want to make these ones. This is what I want to make. As an, I'm making what I want to make, <laughs> and you people are enabling it. As a gaming old I prefer the longer videos. I'm not in it for the clickbait. Let's review Animal Crossing in 10 minutes. Hyperactive voice like this all the time. And you can make clothes and chairs and this and that. It's like that. I'm not in. I mean, I, I don't care. You, YouTube I want face and YouTube voice are a plague and truly have ruined society for everything. I think I think that his videos directly are a response. Their creation and design is a direct response to YouTube face and voice. Good. That it, I, you know, That's the only you reason I can... the Pac-Man one, man. I that did. So I, have watched, I have watched them all, and I have watched The Last of Us twice because I took notes on that one. That one is... He, he studies writing a lot for some... I think he writes books or something. Uh, um, he has he has said he has written about fifty unpublished novels that wow. he has never shown anyone. He just like has them. Yeah. Uh so that is the most introspective about the story aspects of stuff, and a lot of it applies to film, especially The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Uh and so I watched that one twice because I was like, this is important for me to understand. He's really really thoughtful in i mean i don't know i don't know if it's due to his like his um the didactic uh, eidetic thank you i always get that wrong memory or whatever i don't know if that's related to that or something else but it is he just has this knowledge that you know maybe he does a ton of research i'm sure he must do some research because yeah. this stuff is no person, even if you remember everything you've ever read, knows seen, everything about Pac-Man like he does in that all video. All this stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, he must be doing tons of research. And so, yeah, it's just, it's super interesting. Yeah. And like, not even, you know, and he does them about weird stuff. Like, it's cool that he made a three-hour video on Pac-Man. Like, that's Absolutely, because awesome. it was something I would never watch, right? Like, I would never seek out a documentary on Netflix about Pac-Man, really. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be all about, you know, 
the records and the, the yeah, it'll be all about Billy Mitchell and Billy all that Mitchell stuff. and and, and like, like no. he talks about the creator, but he talks about the creator of it. I can't remember his name because I don't have an eidetic memory, but um, he talks about the creator of it in the light of other things in that creator's life, right? Like it's it's about like, here's this uh, here's this other game this guy made and you can see how it's like kind of related he thought about this and did yeah. this different thing over here yep. mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah yeah it's it's interesting i love his stuff it's so you know it, the only downside of it is that it obviously takes him an insane amount of time to make these things and therefore yeah. you only get them like once every couple months it's fine i feel like if he makes three of those a year i have mm-hmm. paid more money to watch a digital Foo Fighters recording of a live concert. You okay, know what I mean? Fair. Yeah. Like, it, it's just like a, a money that should be spent. Someone should be creating this stuff. Yeah, it, totally. Yeah. And that's not an ad. <laughs> if I end up keeping this in the show, I just, yeah. uh, we talk about stuff we watch and choose to participate in and love. I don't think we've received that's not true. We have received a couple things for free. Yes. Non-zero number of things. I would not claim it's a lot of things, though. What's funny about that is the stuff we were free, we have received for free, one of us has inevitably already paid for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we ended up receiving a free copy. It was like we ended up talking about stuff, and they're like, here's some free copies. It's like, okay, great. Cool, thanks. I already played it, but whatever. Yeah, we definitely paid for this and backed the Kickstarter four years ago. Yeah. Uh, That's funny. Okay, real lead-in time. Welcome back to Star Trek. That's right. Star Trek. A voyage amongst the stars. Not a war. Yeah, no wars. Uh, There's no Baby Yoda in this series. Uh, I mean, yet, Yet. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Is Grudge Baby Yoda? Uh, mm, no, it's a cat. So I don't know. We haven't gotten there yet. I bet there's something to Grudge. Or do you think Grudge is just a giant cat? Pretty sure it's just a cat. Okay. Welcome uh, back, I mean, everybody. You know, this space is Space Cat, I guess. So. Space Cat. Do you think they have a little treadmill for the cat so it doesn't lose like body mass? They have gravity on the ship, man. Oh, that's true. Good, yeah, you don't you don't need it if you can walk around. That's a good point. You were you were right though. If it was like. The space station or whatever, where it's zero G all the time. Yeah, you need a little treadmill for the cat. Yeah, chase it. Have it chase a mouse. Oh, it's good to be back talking about Star Trek. We don't do well. We don't do carbon scoring that often, unless there's like a season of something going on and it's crazy, like the Mandalorian was. But there's no Mandos in this space. Nope. We're gonna talk about aliens with glowing foreheads that we still don't know the name of. Yep, didn't really say. Orions? Andorians? Yep. Humans? Mm-hmm. Haven't seen a Klingon this season yet. Not yet. Kelpians? Uh, who, who knows what the Klingons will look like? <laughs> They've changed them in every That's true. By the future. Discovery so far. What will future Klingons look like? That is going to be a real treat to see where they decide to land on what the future... Do they go back to the original look? Maybe. Not the not the original. Do they go back to the most populous look, right? The TNG right. era look, or do they do they go back to the oldest look and have them go back to being like original series Klingons that are just like people, ridgeless, 
What if Browless? What if Book is a Klingon? Dude, that would be a real, real trip because his. I don't think those things looked like Klingon ridges, but that would be pretty cool. I don't know. I just, I just had that thought right now. I don't know. I throw it out there into the universe. I don't remember the last name of the race on the ice planet, but that race we see that race too. I also don't remember their name. It probably won't be important. Uh, but let's let's get into season three of Discovery. Yes, we know we're behind. We like to do them behind because we watch them in chunks. And it's real easy with an online series that's not as popular as Star Wars to not get spoiled. I mean, it's not... You still have to, like, you know, not go to certain places, but it's easy to not go to those places. Yeah. And then, you know, just... If you avoid the one place where it is you know they talk about Discovery every week, you just don't go there, and then you don't see it. So it all works out. I think the only Star Trek stuff I've seen trending in the last couple years has been Lower Decks, and it was once. Uh, I saw, I think that Lower Decks is getting put up on Amazon or something in what? the, some of the other oh, countries. other countries. Got it. Yeah. yeah they yeah, uh, yeah. might be Netflix. They've had deals for discovery with Netflix in other countries. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, uh, if you could watch Lower Decks in other countries, and if you listen to us from other countries, find out because Lower Decks is the best Star Trek in a long time. Yeah. I, I was just going to say people should, should go watch Lower Decks. It's it's very uh, you know good. unclear if it's better than Discovery season three as we haven't finished it yet but True. I like Lower Decks quite a bit quite a bit yeah, I did too I I did not expect to like it considering the Rick and Morty t- connections but Agreed. I think I think though that means that the Rick and Morty people are not as uh, rote as we might have given them credit for right I think the the creative people here are different too. Right. Yeah, the, the, the animation link is is what it is. Uh, yeah. You know, and there's some of the humor is there, but like the the creative team is not the same, and they still seem to be, you know, they're doing their own thing with this, which yeah. is nice. They definitely have Star Trek chops on that show, for yes. sure. Yes. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Discovery opens uh, not in the way I expected. I expected a direct open. What did you expect? Uh, I guess it, you just expected straight to credit uh, the opening credits. Or... I expected straight to credits and then straight from credits to picking up in the wormhole. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, um, it was interesting. I don't know. I don't know that I expected this the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I didn't hate it. I don't know. It, it was very, I don't know. I had no, nothing against it. It just, uh, didn't, I didn't expect to open up on a new character in new space, trying to process what they were flying around, that kind of stuff. Did you catch that right away that they were in some sort of graveyard of a ship or ships? Uh, I, I didn't until you see them flying past the like obvious saucer section or something. Right. Sure. Yeah. I thought it was like, Oh, it's like weird asteroid field or whatever. Right. Okay. Um, did they say the well, name of this I guess, planet? I guess we're missing the actual lead-in, which was the everyday waking up in the room. Sure, yeah. Uh, that was the actual lead-in, right? The uh, I guess we don't find out his name until the end of the episode. Correct. Um, but every day a man wakes up in a room on a magic bed, and then that that cold that's the cold open, which is kind yeah. of feels important that you're going to need to know about it later, but like, it's not 
the universe building moment that it is when we meet book. So that's kind of what I feel like the opening really is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, gosh, what is his name? Book. No, he's not the one waking up in the bed. Oh, uh, his name is Ad, Ad, Aditya Sahil. Okay. Yes. Uh, I don't want to memory alpha him because we don't know. If we know exactly what they've told us in this story. And I have some theories about him, and I do not want to know if I'm wrong. Yeah, or at least I want to debate them with you, and then, and then we'll. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea to look him up because there's a chance he shows up again later in the season too. Oh, I guarantee he shows up again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Book is flying through wrecked starships. Book is a new character flying some sort of starship. Uh, Looks more like a like a Star Wars ship than. Than a not star than a Star Trek ship. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, "What is this?" Like, yeah, it, it looked very un Star Trek. Um, but then again, we kind of might find out why, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. We uh, open on him getting attacked. He's stolen some cargo, and there's a fight happening. And then in the middle of that, Burnham shows up from the wormhole. And literally punches his ship down to a planet. Just like knocks him uh, out of the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we find out immediately. Well, Burnham, what did you think of the reentry of this? You just chalk it up to Star Trek magic. I mean, yes, yeah, it is space magic here. Um, she she appears, quote unquote, hurt for a few minutes. And then we've moved on. Yeah. After falling uh, into a planet. You know, she's clearly hurt, but realized she needed to to walk it off so she did i guess uh, uh the, the suit tells us it's what 3188 yes Woo-hoo. which is like several hundred years after the end of the last latest thing in the normal timeline 930 years okay so almost a thousand years almost a thousand years Mm-hmm. Um, is this the part where someone says quantum slipstream when she's talking to when she meets oh, she, book when she goes to meet book? Yeah. But we, before we go to meet book, I have a question. Okay. Yeah. I rewound it and I tried to watch it again and I still don't understand. She tells the suit to go back up into space. Do fly back through the wormhole and send the signal and then self-destruct. Yeah, the seventh signal, right? The one that she was supposed to send saying that she got there. Right. Which obviously we find out later at the or from Spock that eventually they get it, right? Um, And then they ignore it because it never happened. Why didn't, well, couldn't they tell the suit to do the other signals and do all this on its own? Uh, Andrew, time travel is not linear, and so you have to uh, do it in the time that you're doing it. You can't go back and do it later, even though that is exactly how time travel works, and you could do that. Uh, It wouldn't make for a good story, though. I see. Luckily, we're going to get around the time travel problem uh, pretty quickly here. Immediately, because she sends the suit back in time and then blows it up. And and Book has stuff to say about time travel, too, later in the show, too. No more time travel. Okay. Uh, Okay. 
I okay. mean, yeah, look, the answer to why time travel stuff, it's always messy. And this is why time travel is messy is because as soon as you start thinking about it too much, you realize, well, couldn't I just like do this later? Mm-hmm. Very it's confused. Like, well, I'll wait until after I win this fight and then come back in time and help myself win it. She talks and then so you show up right yep. there and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she talks so fast that I feel like they were literally trying to rush past it so that you wouldn't think about it. Yeah, they certainly were. Okay. So. That's my last so. complaint about this episode. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So time travel is gone. Goodbye. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Well, we are going to talk about it one time or two with book when he realizes she's from the past. Uh, I got the feeling he sussed her out pretty quick. <laughs> he appears to have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She she needs to find somebody, so she traces the smoke of Book's broken ship. Right. And they have a fight. Right. Such as it, such as it was. Uh, he calls her Rocket Girl. Yes. And she then, like that. and then things things are bad in space here. And he says the phrase "ripping holes in space time," which is funny. And then something about quantum what? Quantum slipstream. He said it. They never talk about it again. Yep. What's a quantum uh, slip- slipstream? I don't know because they never talk about it again. I'm. This is why I leave memory alpha open because sometimes I, I, I suspect that because they don't have dilithium anymore, they can't do warp. Is that well, what they, they're they're they, trying to argue here? So they can do warp. Uh, there is still dilithium, which we're going to talk about because there's a new order in the universe. A quantum slipstream is from Voyager. Okay. Uh, which means you can break warp factor 10. I or, see. It's, su- it's super warp. Got it. It's super warp. Uh, it's like a trans warp conduit. Okay. It was so it, developed it is- by species 116, and I think they're not allowed to use it. Because it's like not, it's not a good thing. Or something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, book implies that he uses quantum slipstreams, right? It it was implied that it, it like his ship uses it, not just like it's it, like that is how they travel via quantum slipstream. But he like, needs something other to do it. He needs he well he wants not dilithium. He wants something else, but he can't get anything other than dilithium, right? Uh, I I had a hard time following this. Yeah, the the, the tech talk here was kind of a lot of like, uh, let's throw a bunch of things in and like let you know, like we're not here to tell you what any of this is. You just you know, we're from the future. We got to use new future words for the same stuff, right? Yeah, I took it to be like the, their version of warp. I didn't think about it any harder than that. Um, I don't remember him saying that he was trying to get something other than dilithium but it, it was clear his ship was he's like don't get me started on trilithium don't i can't get oh, a hold yeah, of this yeah. thing so he's like i gotta go to the market to get dilithium yeah it was like what they i mean it's clear that this is like a backwater planet right ah here's the here's the clarification if he had benamite he could do quantum slipstreaming but he can't I get see. benamite i see okay uh Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
they're basically benamite and dilithium and so we've we've come to find out now from book that dilithium trilithium and benamite and all these things are in very 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 short supply and you have to go yeah. get them from certain people because uh, there's not a lot of it and yeah. it's and why there isn't a lot of it is because of he mentions the burn the burn yes after we meet grudge the <laughs> officially the cat he uh, starts to hint at stuff toward for Burnham. The Federation is the old days, quote unquote, and all her stuff is like antique collector stuff. Right. And he's like, oh, wow, you have this this old tricorder. That's we could pawn this and get some dilithium for it. Yep. Essentially. And we start and- to get an idea that maybe there's a new order to the universe. And I started to get very happy about what this new show is going to be bringing to us here maybe yeah i you know i think here we don't get a ton of it yet no um but it definitely you know is a you know almost a a voyager type theme is kind of how it feels here right yeah Mm -hmm. we're gonna be in an unknown galaxy so much so that it's not like discovery shows up and uh starfleet's ready for them they knew they were coming the whole time you know it's gonna be nobody knows who they are because starfleet and the Federation are uh, past the past or, you know, basically non-existent as far as anyone can tell. Yeah. And it is just, uh, you know, people out fending for themselves and, you know, this kind of, uh, well, we'll get into what is on this particular planet. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on here and it's interesting. I am curious to see what they will, you know, how will they will develop this, mm-hmm whatever this is you know it's the same universe i guess but like this timeline so we get i think book starts to figure it out here when she doesn't know what the burn is right yeah uh, and it quickly is very easily explained i <laughs> it's pretty amazing that he's not like okay come on you got to be pulling my leg like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna engage in this he actually explains what the burn is to her rather than just being like no 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 no, no. you're pulling my leg because obviously you would have to know what the burn is right Right, yeah. It's like something that everyone knows, clearly. Yeah. Uh, and they they don't really explain it, you know, I mean, too he, deeply, but it, they, they tell you what it is, right? All the dilithium in the world exploded. Yeah, basically almost all the dilithium everywhere. And it's unclear why not all the dilithium, but almost all the dilithium everywhere went critical yeah. all at the same time. Became unstable and just blew up, and so then everything exploded. And literally Echo, every starship that used dilithium is now wreckage out there in space. Right. And so hence why you saw, you know, there was a, you know, obviously a wreckage of a bunch of starships and stuff around this planet because there was some kind of star base or something there, uh, all of which blew up. And it seems like maybe the galaxy even is kind of ripped apart as planets that were rich in dilithium probably ripped themselves to pieces as well. Yes. They also, uh, or is this later? They, They touch on the idea that like, not oh but it, you know so now obviously it's still around but it's like this like super valuable commodity and everyone's trying to get it all the time you have to get you know yeah you know, it's like can i just get a little hit of dilithium yeah no i don't know if they thing? when they explain it but we could talk about now and i i think this is kind of so the federation is gone right uh and so he explains and they go to a place where andorians and orions are working together and he explains well they have to because they basically run one kind of like the last remaining crime syndicate which is right. in control of all the dilithium basically that you can get and if you in want dilithium area. you have to be 
a messenger. And th- okay, so th- is this where they then talk about like, well, no one goes like, but like there are no like because of the dilithium shortages and stuff, people don't just travel around all the time. Right. Only messengers are doing that. Yep, exactly. And, like, no one talks to anyone far away. Nope. Because because of dilithium, and then sensors don't work for some reason. Well, so a lot of the infrastructure that's explained at the end is basically the Federation was responsible for the infrastructure of the galaxy. They're not around to maintain it anymore. It's all just breaking, and the people on these planets are trying to survive, and they can't, they can't keep everything going, right? So, like, okay. they're becoming cut off, and the only people they can deploy, rely on are these messengers. This is part of uh, episode two as well. They kind of flesh this out a little bit. Okay, so that was the... I'm getting two things confused, conflated there. Oh, yeah. But the... So, you know, he's... He's leading Burnham on ostensibly to go pawn this ancient tricorder. So that she has, can right? get access to, to communication the communications array. array. He, yeah. He'll have to pay for it. Uh, he gets her inside this armed facility and uh, immediately betrays her. <laughs> uh, the, not even immediately. She's just like, yeah, it's right through there. And then it's like she walks through the archway and is immediately like put in a laser grid and arrested. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, and then he steals like, all her stuff. 10 seconds where she between her there and like the the arrest yeah. very funny to me yeah, it was but it like, was enjoyable yeah. it was enjoyable to not be like oh man this guy from the future just all of a sudden give forgives her and like is going to be a main character and they don't have like and then no 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 no, no. <laughs> we're not going to go straight to that don't worry no yeah he's this the scoundrel character continues to be a scoundrel. He doesn't just immediately have a heart of gold. Is right? he a scoundrel? Well, we believe him to be because there's very angry people chasing him around saying he stole his cargo. He doesn't seem to be on the uh, the Orions and the Andorians here don't seem to be super happy with him. Let's say yeah. already when he shows up. Right. Right. Uh, so he's trying to. uh He's trying to get. He's trying to pawn her stuff to get more dilithium, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, we go straight he's like, he, to he's like uh, trying to sweet talk the vendors. Like, hey, <laughs> this is a for collectors. I like. You know, I like the. Just, the lady's just like, no. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't write it down, but I do like the conversation he has with her, which is like, we need to access our better selves. Okay, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. just like, just reach deep down, access your better oh. self. Like, classic okay. con man stuff he's just like and but bad like, right but like like yeah, not yeah. good at it no clearly bad at it yeah. yeah pretty pretty funny i laughed uh and i laughed more as burnham goes to jail yep uh and there the and i was like oh good you know so again this is one of those things where like i'm like oh god star trek is has become you know, we talked about this with Picard a while where like they just got like really gritty and violent and like, I love to see people get hurt and torture and all this stuff. Right. Yeah. Picard is definitely arcing that direction. Way too much of that. And I was like, oh, God, they're doing it to Discovery. This is going to be a big torture scene. They're going to like, you know, shock her and use future pain lasers or whatever and make her make her talk, you know, tell the truth or whatever. It definitely starts and, that way. Yeah, and like you're like, oh, okay, here we go. He injects her with the drugs. Oh no, no, out. come on, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get that part right. They're first of all, they're like trying to question her, and it's not working. So the little robot comes in, and you're like, yeah, here's the pain laser, and it mm-hmm. mists her in the face. 
Yeah, with like it the... doesn't enjoy it's just like spray. <laughs> uh, and it's like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, whatever. You know, this is how they do it in the future. Okay, I sure. don't think much of it. And then like she immediately has like a weird reaction to it. <laughs> she starts like shroom tripping yeah, all over the like, room, laughing, and, and then like... the Andorian and the Orion is she she passes out in the seat. Is <laughs> like oh, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> it's like. It's like, did we give her the wrong dosage? <laughs> the, the comedy begins at that point, uh, and it and turns she's out just like she's telling the truth. But yeah, it turns out to be like, truth serum. Yeah, and she's just like you know, really happy talking to herself. Is like introspective serum. I, I saved you know? all the things, the whole galaxy of things. I saved them. Yeah, my friend Tilly has red hair. Do not give her any of this. Yeah, yeah, this will be bad. <laughs> That's it's pretty funny. She does a great job uh selling selling the ridiculously overly high truth mm-hmm. serum stuff. It's, it's just like she goes she just goes from being like very contemplative to like manic happiness in like yeah. the space of a half of a sentence, you know? Right, yeah. It's pretty good. It is good. Um, and that whole scene and then the the two guards are like they're just looking at her like dumbfounded like what is going on here? <laughs> Like, yeah. this is not what we expected to get out of this. <laughs> Cut back to book. He gets cornered during all this. Uh, oh, no. Well, they she they finally tease out of her that she was robbed by book. Right. By book. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, this guy book stole my stuff for me. And they're like, aha. Uh, we knew something we, was up with this. We guy. know him. Let's go get him. Uh, you can confirm this and then you'll be let go. Basically. Right. Right. Uh so uh, book cut back to book and he's already been accosted by somebody else who he was it, it was the um the buzzard beak oh the buzzard beak guy orc guy yeah right yes he did look he like, an, like orc. an orc from lord of the rings he does. or uh yeah specific orc, yeah. orc from lord of the rings he does excellent you're absolutely right you're absolutely right uh, i, I so see he, he he looked like that guy and so he was it, that guy he was also the one who was chasing him in space right before yes that is the him. same one mm-hmm and so he, that guy shows up and is like, oh, I got you, Book, you know, and is like causing a commotion. He's like, where are the police? I got him. You yeah. know, give me this. And then the police do show up. They do show up. Uh, is this the first time we see the personal transporter? Uh, yes, I believe it is. They they jump in all around him and everyone now has little tiny lapel sized transporters. Yes. They're pretty yeah. cool. So th- th- this is the teleport chase. Yes. Uh, uh here as uh, Burnham shows up and uh, with the cops, and, she's like, they, "That's the guy." Okay, and they're she, like, "All right, sweet, let's arrest him." She gets her and stuff then, back, and then yeah. uh, then they, they turn on back. her to try and get Book to. I don't understand why she gets put back in the middle of this, but she does. Oh, I think they were just like she's like, "Thanks for my stuff," and is like going ready to leave, and they're like, "No, no, no, you uh, stay over here." Uh, right? It was okay. like it was a. Uh, you know, you don't get to leave after this. Got it. Uh, whole situation. Got it. Okay. Uh, and then the teleport chase. Yeah. Yes, the teleport chase, which was interesting. Uh, they kill a lot of people in the teleport chase. Yes, they like do. a lot. Like I would wonder why Burnham would be okay killing this many people just to escape with a person she doesn't know or trust. Yes, it was very confusing. Um, they this whole teleport chase was like a cool visual setting thing but very un-star trek in that it was a lot of like show up 10 guards materialize murder all these guards yeah continue on like yeah i don't 
I mean, it was a little action sequence. We've talked about how Discovery has fallen into the J.J. Abrams verse a little bit in terms of its need for action. It definitely mm-hmm. seems to always want to portray a kinetic universe in a way. Yeah. yeah. Um, where they bounce from crisis to crisis a little bit more than the Star Trek we grew up on uh, would imply. But it's fine. I, I'm not going to complain about it. You know, they did a good job. There's a lot of good choreography here. Uh, and they teleport underwater so they can't be tracked. I don't. Yep. Whatever. I it, Dude, I. Whatever. This whole scene, it makes no sense. I mean, the, the personal teleporter thing is cool. Like, oh, this is like a cool thing they would develop in the future. So this makes sense. Yeah. But it just adds so many problems to I'm, all of Star Trek now, right? I'm, because yeah. anyone could just have a personal teleporter and just be like, boop, I'm out of it. Anytime there's ever a confrontation or a situation, beep, I'm, out of I'm here. just going to be I'm going to be asking why they aren't beep and teleporting out. Right? Yeah, it's absolutely. Yes, you're right. As of now, there are two problems that they've introduced. Why don't you just teleport out of there? Because you can just do it. And two. Why these people can track you. So why can't everyone just track you through your transporter? Right. And like, yeah. what's what's the range of a personal transporter? It seems not very far. Yeah. So I think that is the. You know, like you can't just beam up to space with this thing. It seems. It seems like you kind of have to right. need a more need a more powerful transporter device or whatever to to go long distances. I yeah. guess. And then creating this, you also have to have personal transport jammers that we're gonna have to have in. Ta- you know, like oh, I couldn't. We're gonna have to explain it. You know, yep. every time that they can't beam yep. immediately so, somewhere. I, I am. I don't know why you would choose to add this to this universe other than it, that it is cool. I think because I think it's going to create more story problems than it's going to solve here. But maybe they have some ideas and I don't know. Okay, we've only seen it like uh, yeah. in two episodes here. So. One one issue they have and I see why they've started to create some of this stuff like the the new in episode 2 they have uh malleable matter or something like that where they can kind of like use uh yeah they can knit stuff together by hand and just create um stuff instead of using like a what would you uh normally you would you normally use like a a replicator to do right Mm -hmm. um you have to look at i think that they designed the universe to be falling apart in a way like the universe is hitting a backslide because there's only messengers there's no federation there's no one protecting the small people people can't communicate with each other and so you're gonna have a lot of worlds like the one we start to see in see in episode two where they just can't can't make it on their own but it's the future it's star trek it's been 930 years people are has to be new right so people people would have been out there and it's only been 150 years since the burn, but people would have been out there creating new technologies, A, because it's been a thousand years, and B, because since the burn, there will be a need for scientists to to uh, De- uh, yeah, develop, develop solutions like- for the burn. So, yeah, we're not going to have new starships. Yeah, okay, maybe some of them have slipstream access, but they can't use it, use it all the time. Yeah, maybe there's uh, personal transporters because that was developed in the thousand years. But then there's going to be this backslide and the the scientists aren't going to be working on new androids and like 
all that kind of stuff. They're going to be working on uh, how can I get you know this ship to move faster without dilithium? How can I get how can I retroactively make the personal transporter bring two people along? How can I you know that type of yeah. stuff is where this has to go. It, so it I don't makes know. sense. It, it, it makes does sense. make sense that some stuff will come up and other stuff will seem backwards. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. It's, yeah. I just, I am, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. It just seems that this particular device could end up being, problematic I agree with you. Them. Yeah. But um, you'd say that about a phaser too, you know, like yeah, why yeah. create a phaser? Why created this? It, it seems like technology that should exist by a thousand years later. Uh, hopefully we get a better idea of the limitations and it doesn't cause the, the inevitable problems that you and I both are wondering about. Uh, I want to point out really quick before we get to the end of the teleport chase here. Uh, one of the guards that shows up is a, is a Morn. Oh yeah. I don't know who, I don't know. Remember what Morn's race is. Uh, Morn of, I think it's Morn of Morn, isn't it? I, I would believe that if you told me that that's what it was. I just, I don't remember, but I do remember seeing Lurian. Lurian. Okay. I remember seeing a Lurian here and I was like, it's Morn. (laughs) The play. Uh, I I remember now. I remember why I was seeing it's Morn of Morn because the episode in DS nine is called who mourns for Morn. Yes. Uh, Great episode. uh, Yeah. Very good. Uh, Lurian. Good one. Um, I, so, you know, it's like, oh, hey, like the, the races we know and love are still around, uh, you know, somewhat at least here. Yeah. But obviously they're all in very different circumstances here. So absolutely. Uh, during the chase book gets punched a lot in the face. Yes, he does. She even says, I think I may have broken your nose and he doesn't really react to it. Mm -hmm. And by the time we get to the end of the chase, he looks perfectly fine. But, uh, Burnham is injured. So we get to see that he is not, in fact, human and has some sort of healing properties or something like that. Yes, they it is. It seems to be. Well, we don't we don't do learn that here. Right. We learn it later. He did we learn? he can he communicates with a plant or something like that. And yeah, the plant the, the, is medicinal or or he creates it. It's something. it's very curious what happens here. But he's clearly unfazed and uninjured after this entire chase. And being punched in the face a lot. Yes. And Burnham got a phaser burn or whatever on her arm. Or cut herself or something. And so the the plant can help her heal somehow. You know, the big thing there is like it seems like Book has... uh, He's got some kind of powers, man. He's clearly not human. uh, But I'm not going to look up because I don't want spoilers. Right. Definitely uh, not. What he is. We'll find out more about that later. Yeah. That would would ruin, I think, the show a little bit. Because I'm sure they have a plan to tell us all about him they do tell us a little Uh, bit about him um i I mean we also see the part where uh the the giant slug comes out yes uh, which is basically what happens next they get to the ship they're ambushed uh he gives them the code for the ship which is sticky right and the slug comes out he tells them you don't want to do that but they don't listen and they all get eaten (laughs) yep and then Burnham gets eaten for a second. Then he's like, no, bad slug. Bad slug. Spit her Let out. Let my girlfriend go. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's just like, uh, then he does. Uh, she, it, she's got a funny line there. I did not know how today was going to go. 
hey, yeah, hey. You know, some days, some days you're doing all right. Other days you're in the belly of a slug, you know? Yeah, some days you start one day, you start the day in a different century and end the day eaten by a slug 930 years in the future. Truly the ups and downs. The slug is called a trance worm, by the way. Okay, is this something they explained? He, he somebody says, uh, oh, Burnham says it's a trance worm because it's endangered. Uh, she knew in the past that it was endangered. I see. Uh, she said no one's around to enforce the Endangered Species Act. Uh, and that's why he said to close her eyes, you know. Right. He tranced yes. everybody. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, they get on the ship. They trust each other enough to get on the ship together. Yes. At this point. And he... This is where he explains about the sensors not working, right? Uh, after they go to Sanctuary. They go to okay. They go to a place called Sanctuary. They drop off the slug. Uh, and he, she says something that triggers in him the desire to help her, uh, which is something along the lines of, like, I understand why you're doing this Sanctuary thing, and that's why I have to find my ship. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, so he's like... Her I, cause is also a noble cause. Yeah. Um, I can help you, he says, and they go to a destroyed Federation transit hub, relay station, something like that. Yeah, some kind of star base or something. It's all blowed up, uh, but still functional, kind of. And mm-hmm. uh, and then we meet Ad, Ad Aditya Sahil. I'm trying my best. Yes, the the Federation liaison. Federation who... liaison. Appears to have been living in this starbase by himself for a very long time. Yeah, so, okay. At first I thought he was a program, but then I remembered the opening of the show. Why would a program have a bed and all that sort of stuff, right? right? Yeah. Then I was like, Android seems Maybe. also not likely because he says he's had a family that the flag... He talks was... about. He talks about, I inherited this from my father. Right? Who inherited it from his father. Right. Um but no one can swear him into Starfleet. So it seems like he might be a real person that's been living on this thing alone for 40 years. How did he have, a, how did his father have a son? I and would, how did like, I don't know. know. So this is what I wanted to debate here. with you. Is he an Android? Cause it's easy to say father data calls. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, sure. Uh, um, sure. Um, the creator. Um, Sung. Sung. He calls Sung his yeah. father, right? It, it could be. He could be. I, I I would believe it if he was, but I I am inclined that they to think that they want us to think he's a human. I am inclined to believe that he is not an android. But it seems unlikely that he would anyway. Uh yeah. Very touching uh what is Starfleet about and why does some people believe in it? Basically only Aditya believes in it. This is where we yeah. get the explanation that the sensors are not working. Right. Uh, and you know, he's like, oh, well, I wanted, you know, to, you know, I, I was never formally sworn into Starfleet because there was no officers left to yeah. do that. And he did say that there were two Starfleet ships on his, on his sensors, though. Yes, he did. Yeah. Very curious what that means. Maybe Starfleet kind of still exists somewhere. Well, I think the the one of the explanations we got from I don't remember if it was here or just before this, right, was that like, well, because things are all very sort of sectioned off and there isn't a lot of deep interstellar travel anymore, you know, the no one really knows what's going on outside of your little hub. Right. Because because of the sensors, you, you know? can't so talk like, to any oh, of the well, other relay stations. So, 
okay, well, like, there are two here in this little area he can see, but it's only, you know, like, this one star system or whatever. It's just the ships around here. Yeah. Um, You know, so he, he doesn't know if there are more Federation ships or, you know, bigger ones or, you know, any kind of any of that stuff because the word doesn't travel, right? The only people that are traveling are these couriers and they're here delivering stuff. Which is kind of, um, this is what I was talking about, like the universal backslide a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of fascinating. You know, like uh, I'm interested in this. Yeah. I, I am curious to see where they go with it. And he ends with the titular line at the end here, right? Mm-hmm. The, the episode is called that hope is you. Uh, right, and that yeah. is, at the end, right? And he's like, oh, well, you know, Burnham is that hope is now they call this one. That hope is you part one. There is no part two. There is no part two, right? As far as I can tell. Okay. I'm, I'm confused about that. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. This is because the second episode is not that hope is you part two. Correct. This is the second episode is called far from home. It's got to be the end of this season then that the hope is you part two is right. Like they'll bookend I, the season with something. They could. Yeah. Oh, I man. don't know, man. Weird. Get... Yeah. I originally wrote down in my notes part two when I went to the second episode and then I noticed it wasn't the name of it. Yeah. It was not right. Yeah. Um, uh, and so then it ends, you know, well, they, Burnham's like, they put well, up the flag and yeah, they're very cute. And they were going to Burnham's like, well, where's my ship? I want to find my ship. And they're like, well, you know, if it came through the wormhole thing, wormholes are weird. Could be here. <laughs> Due to temporal hey. mechanics, it could be any time. And you're like, wait a minute, then there's no temporal mechanics. Uh, the, the You know, it just died. Uh, wormholes are weird. It could be today. It could oh. be next year. It could be 50 years. We forgot that book. Figure, when he figures out that she's a time traveler, for sure, right? And they have the, like, discussion. He directly says to us, the audience... There is no more time travel. The temporal wars were really bad. They destroyed every piece of time travel equipment in the universe, and it's banned. Yes, yeah, he did say that. Ha- yeah, that happened way earlier. Now yeah. the Federation is gone, so you'd say, well, a ban means absolutely nothing, especially because we've learned from Star Trek that bans mean absolutely nothing. Nothing, right? Yeah, uh, yeah totally. But thanks to the, I'm just going to keep calling it the universal backslide. No one's going to be working on time travel tech, probably. Because they need to work on, like, how to get water to the next system. Yes, over. exactly. <laughs> right? Like, my planet is starving. I need to create tribbles to eat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> reference to the best Please. season two short trek. These would be a good source of food. I've watched that thing three times. They're so funny. Okay, that's, that's so funny. Much, but it is no, funny. it's good. I will probably won't watch it, it again good. for a long time, but it's good. I'm not stupid. I'm good at my job. He's so good. Sean Benjamin is so good. Uh, (laughs) All right. So, so I mean, that's, that's episode one. Yeah. Um, Uh, What do you think? I mean, like impressions, our first impression of the universe at that point, Oh, that they are now there. That's it, right? We're done intersecting with past Star Trek. That's it. As far as we know, it's over, right? Like, yeah, I was intrigued at this point. I was like, oh, okay. Well, like, I don't know a lot about this universe. I'm not sure what they're going to do with the Discovery crew. Are they going to meet up? Is it going to be like a, a Michael solo season for a while? Is it going to, what, how are they going to do it? Yeah. 
um, you know, I wanted to learn more about what is this courier thing and how all that works. Cause that seems ill-defined, you know, is there clearly there's a lot of organized crime kind of stuff going on. So I, I was, I was into it. I don't know. I, I was curious to see what happened. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, we move on to episode two. It's interesting that they, they planned, man, they really, really planned to move this past every piece of Star Trek. So like they had to go back and research that, you know, in enterprise during the temporal war, we got ships from like three, three, you know, 3050 and stuff like that. Um, it's just it's kind of fascinating that they they, they really went, just wanted to they go, shot this thing so far into the future completely unknown um which yeah. you know it is cool it lets them kind of gives them a little more of a blank slate to write on which i'm okay with sure yeah um, i'm in, i'm into that i mean like creating so, you know, creating a new era of star trek that they don't have to worry about stepping on toes and all that kind of stuff like they're going to have to mm-hmm. tiptoe in in enterprise or the uh, strange new worlds you know, th- there's a lot of tiptoeing that's going to happen there because they've got Spock, Pike, right. the Enterprise. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just pre the original series. It's post. They got a lot of worry to do there versus here where they're like, okay, cool. Let's step out. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm yeah. just curious to see what they will choose to what do what kind of like world are they trying to build here right again we've only seen like really at this point one episode and two sure ish i mean it gives uh, you the, the vibe kind of focuses on a specific thing so it's hard to say how much of the the general world we've learned i'm sure you feel the vibe though like oh yeah what is totally. the vibe that we're hitting here burnham's here there's no starfleet the true believers aren't here so what is the story we're going to tell how can the universe be affected by the true believer, right? I mean, the, wait for episode two and you get that slapped in your face like 18 times. It is the, you know, the last candle in the darkness, you know, the the light of hope and civilization or whatever, yep. potentially trying to bring it back. So, yeah, again, I, I like that stuff in Star Trek when they've done it in the past well. I'm curious to see how it goes. Um, And then, you know, the, the season, uh, episode two, I think is like the greatest like sort of hard right turn and it's just like oh we're back with the discovery crew yeah <laughs> where's burnham what's up with her who cares so i to talk about the discovery crew now and you're like oh okay yeah. we got saru back and we got tilly yeah. and they're you know the ship is crashing immediately and, yeah uh, did uh, you no, notice sorry. did you notice yeah. in episode two when it starts the um it's the star trek four red light everybody's kind of frozen and the uh the sound is really, really muffled. It's exactly like Star Trek Four, because they're doing doing time stuff. Because right? they're doing yeah. time stuff. Yeah, it's a yeah. nice little yeah. callback there. I like that quite a bit. And and they're all knocked out, which I believe also happened in Star yep. Trek. 4 exactly. Time, yep. Right? yep. And so they're they're waking up and like going, you know, oh everyone. <sighs> I struggled with this episode much more than the first one. Did Agreed. you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel were... bad saying that, but like there was, I took a lot less notes. There were moments I kind of groaned at. There were characters I'm like, why still? You know, uh, just my initial impressions of this one was I'm glad they went straight to the discovery and we didn't have to do a lot of one year, you know, later kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I I think the I enjoyed the parts of this episode that focused on the discovery crew. I was cool with. Yeah. 
I think the once they get into the situation here, uh, you know, this, so the ship crashes on some planet. Yeah, uh, yeah, they have a hard time coming straight out of the conduit, the wormhole. Uh, I now know somebody's name on the bridge. Kayla Detmer. Okay. She's the one with the glassy-eyed look. She's the one that has the... She was the one that was originally on the Shinjo who has the implant on the side of her head and is the pilot of this ship. Got it. Kayla Detmer. They say her name like four times on the bridge. So we now we know Owo, Saru, and Detmer. I can remember those names. <laughs> we did it. We, we got three. Did it. Three seasons later, one person. <laughs> yeah, I've added one person, and she's been in it since literally the Shenzhou. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, so they crash. Uh, they do some fancy flying stuff and land in an ice field. Yeah, they roll the ship to get to bleed off the heat. I guess some they do some space maneuvers. It's cool. Yeah, it looked good. Uh, it, it looked good. I didn't have any problem with the episode up until after the crash. I, the crash, and then Saru's in charge or decides he's in charge. Did they actually put him in charge? Or Saru he just, like, is the acting captain. They okay. uh, Pike made him acting captain of the Discovery until after their quote unquote journey, when the crew could decide for themselves what to do. Basically. Uh, Okay. I didn't remember if there was like a, if that happened. And I, not, he gave he like a little did. speech and he's like, Mr. S- you know, Saru's like, I can't be the captain. I'm not, I'm not ready or whatever. And he's like, you know, Mr. Saru, you're the person that has to get them through this right now. And then, you know, so I'm making you acting captain deal with it. And then, uh, and then okay. you, once you're through, you all will be the crew and you'll have to decide what to do. Uh, and so Saru's taking charge and telling people, all right, we got to repair all this stuff. We need to get our, our ship back yeah, flying and go find Burnham. I, I love that he gives the little speech about like, okay, look, we all want to know what's out there, when we are, where we are. But if the ship falls apart, we're all dead anyway. So let's fix the ship, then we'll worry about it later. But immediately Tilly's like, okay, so out there. <laughs> yeah, it's just immediately like, well, let's do the exploration thing. You're like, no. Tilly, <laughs> you just hear the speech. Uh, and then I have a note here. It's like, you know, they're doing all these repairs. And it's like, oh, yeah, Giorgio is on this ship. Yes. Really <laughs> funny. First of all, they continue to ace every appearance of Giorgio at the beginning of every episode she's in. This one, she shows up. We see her face. And it's like, oh, cool. She's alive. She's here. And Tilly immediately looks at her boots. And there's just chunks of blood and matter dead everywhere. guy dead guy and she's staring at her like and then george was like what somebody had to make sure he was dead <laughs> like come on speaking of which somebody needs to go scoop him up out of the thing guys she's like we need someone to go clean up the uh the chamber we killed him in. yeah so let's see uh bef- yeah as george shows up we kind of are getting like stock of the ship detmer is at not functioning correctly yeah something's wrong I, with her and we don't we don't find out what it is, right? Like, no, there's really no... I mean, they think that they have healed her head. I don't know if it's just a concussion and it's like that, but it I mean, seems... That is, that is what happens to people who have concussions, yes. so I believe it. So it might just be unexplained because it's a concussion and we're they're using her to kind of like move through the ship. But it seems like also they kept it going a while and I don't know what's up with yeah. that. 
I mean, concussions last or can last. They can a last. Well, they can last a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, uh, the so in following Detmer, we do see sickbay having troubles. <laughs> you know, it's very busy down there with uh, you know the ship crashing and people being injured and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Reno starts making back pain jokes, and I really hate it. I every joke she made, I think I, I hated this episode. I went from liking her to not liking her in the space of this episode. Agreed. Yeah, that was weird I, for me. And I, I have enjoyed her character in the previous seasons because she showed up and was like, "Oh, I'm here to provide the sarcastic comment to the situation or whatever." But in this time, she was just like tearing down a dude who was like. Having a bad time, you know? Uh, you yeah, I didn't get that at all. Yeah. Yeah, Stamets was basically dead. He gets yeah. rolled out of his bed because so many people are injured after the crash, and he gets back to work immediately, and she's like, you just got to know you can't do everything, right? And it's like, what? How about you help? He's like, I can't stand up. So, like, you know, the, I think, you know, she's – she in a very stupid way she is trying to prove a point to him like hey you can't do all this by yourself you need to ask people for help or whatever but he doesn't a, need to a, a, he needs to deal with it well it, true but also like he he could have asked the young crew member standing next to reno to go into the jeffrey's tube for him and that's, him guide her right? that's true yeah he could have done that but uh, he didn't and so instead, she's just like ripping on him the whole time. He's like, ah, ha, ha, man, make sure you don't bleed out up there. Ha, ha. Yeah. He's like, what? You're being mean, lady. Like, don't just stand there and twist the knife. Help. Do yeah. something. Do like, something to help. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, really not excited about her character this entire episode. episode. Yeah. Uh, um. So then, you know, immediately uh, the Saru realizes they need. Uh, well, there's a huge need. argument between him and Giorgio on the ship in front of the crew about like, she wants to get weapon systems and communications online and like go invade the settlement and figure out what's going on. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're going to fix our EPS. We're going to get off this rock. Then we'll fix the communication. And it's like, he's, he's got a very measured, almost, uh, they, they do a good juxtaposition here. She's overly aggressive. It is the order and chaos approaches to things, right? She's like, overly aggressive, and he is too measured. They are they are creating a dyad, to use a Star Wars term, of two different philosophies, both of which are wrong. Right. Uh, as proven by the outcome of this episode, right? Right, yeah. It is a, you know, he really just wants to do a, uh, yeah, I, you're going to do everything by the book, and this is exactly the order. It will be one, two, three, and four. Two shall not be looked at until one is completed. Yeah. And you know, just this whole very, you know, ordered and exact approach to how to do things. And Giorgio is like, let's go shoot everyone and take all their stuff. Yeah. And like if I if it were me, our ship would be surrounded. We need to like get guards on duty. We need to go let's invade the settlement. And like, you know, yeah. go take all their ships and just use those and yeah. leave this thing here. Exactly. And like mm-hmm. and you know, clearly you know, not necessarily either one is the one we want. Here. It's nice that they, I think it was played to try and show you that she's wrong. But honestly, when you watch it, it's kind of like, clearly they're both wrong. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I mean, you know, clearly Giorgio's approach was wrong. Uh, but I think Saru, there was a lot to criticize about what Saru wanted to do also, right? Even though they are. Well, especially yeah, after you see what kind of happens. After you see what happens, right? Yeah. So what? then so then immediately <laughs> Saru's like, all right, Tilly and I are going out. Oh, well, so they need to <laughs> fix something and they don't have this, the supplies this, to do it. But this, what, this EPS conduit thing or whatever that Tilly the is carrying. Transstator? What is it called? I don't remember. I think it's called a Transstator. MacGuffin. MacGuffin. This uh, MacGuffin yeah, they, thing that the guy on the bridge whose name I don't know pulled out of the wall needs repairing and we don't have the stuff so we got to go to the settlement because they have lots of it. Yeah, it just happens to be there. They got it. So, you know, we're going to go trade them. Yeah. You know, until he's we need till he's starting to catch on that something's wrong around them. They're very excited mm-hmm. that there's life signs over there because that means that what they did worked. But there's no dilithium and the ships don't have any dilithium, even though they look work capable. And you're like, oh, yeah. you're almost there, Tilly. Come on. Tilly has is definitely like trying to put the pieces together, uh, but unfortunately they don't get it by the time they get there. Yeah. And then the coolest thing I think in this entire episode is the transport doorway. Oh yeah. That's so cool. I loved it. You know, they, they walk across the barren plains or whatever to this settlement it, and then they're like, Oh, it's a cave. Well, how do we get up there? Maybe there are stairs inside or something. Nope. I don't know. Beep. They walk forward. They're in the bar. Yep. <laughs> really funny and and cool because it reminds you of like the technology around um starfleet on san in san francisco where there's all the archways of transporters mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. but like this is better it's hidden in the wall you know yeah it was so cool really fun i i really enjoyed that it was like oh like yeah it, and like the fact that and then like, you have to still walk on. through the double western doorway the saloon door yeah yeah, yeah. uh and even like the podunk backwater bar that like no one goes to except the locals or whatever, that place has the teleporter doorway. So you know that that thing, like it's just, this isn't a big deal. Everyone just has this. It's fine. Yeah. Personal transporter tech, you know? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that was very cool. Uh, and then they get to meet the locals uh, who are immediately distrustful of them. Gosh, who could say why? One of them uh, is not distrustful of them. Uh, Cal. Cal. And we don't... What race is Cal? I want to say I, their race, but I've never seen it before. Have you? Didn't get it. No. I didn't... They may have said the name, um, but I didn't pick it up. Yeah, they... I mean, he did. Because uh, he says they're... said it, but I didn't hear it. They're there, but uh, we don't know. Cal Dano is a oh no that's not that's not him that's somebody that's a time traveler hmm i don't remember anyway they're a race we i don't think we've ever seen them before no they seemed new uh and they are working in this little mining colony clearly and something some of their stuff is broken they can't seem to make they're worried about making payments basically to yes their messenger. So we get the second yes. idea that the messengers are really kind of in charge of the universe in certain places. The impression I got was that this guy, this messenger for them almost was working at like a warlord. Like he was, dude, he was like keeping all this stuff secret as like his thing yeah. that he was in control of. You know, he would take all the resources from them, you know, like a dictator or a warlord would do. And then, well, here's the, the, barest minimum things you need to survive and keep making me money right right exactly yeah very much and, uh the uh magnificent seven style right 
Yeah. Uh, and so then, you know, uh, Saru and Tilly wander in here, and these guys are immediately distrustful. Yeah, they, Cal pull, is they like, pull new gun-looking guns on them. It, the, like, <laughs> I don't know what the... What is the name of these guns? They look like... Um, yeah. Uh, little things... Courier, you like hit, not messenger. You would hit the side of it or whatever, and air would shoot out of the front. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like like air cannons? Yeah, I'm kind sure. of, don't they? Like, yeah. Like, you, you would clap the side of this thing, and like a puff of air would shoot out the front. It's mm-hmm. a thing, and oh, I don't remember. I remember from theater. Anyway. Yeah, so we get to uh, see... Uh, we get to see kind of like a miniature standoff. Then he convinces them that he can, Cal convinces his own people that, uh, that they're Starfleet and that he's always known Starfleet would come and they're here to help. Yes. Uh, and, and they don't want to help until Tilly says we've got dilithium and she finally puts it together. Like they must not have dilithium. And everybody's yeah. eyes light up. <laughs> and she, and she says the magic words. I even wrote that in my notes. It's like Tilly says the magic words, dilithium. Yeah. And everyone turns and looks at her immediately, right? Yep. Uh, yep. And then and then Saru's like, we got dilithium. Yeah. Fix this thing. And, and then they're like, yes, let's do it. Like, ah, we, <laughs> you know, you know, oh, this is clearly the, you know. This yeah. is our way out of this and all this stuff. And I was, uh, I also wrote in the notes, Saru is a really bad dilithium uh, negotiator. He's just like, yeah, we'll give you like, you know, 500 units or whatever. And it's like, Saru, what if you started with two? <laughs> like, yeah, Saru, just like, you don't, you don't one, know how valuable this one is. One unit, man. Like, that's all they see, need. See what you can get for one before you offer 500. Yeah. Not a great. Um, also, I love that uh, in the future, everyone just calls things units. And they're just like, oh yeah, so many, so many units of it. That's that's what we're gonna do. It's measured in units. Everybody's got what units. What is the measurement? Yeah. What is the, the measurement units of, of everything are exactly the same, <laughs> and no one knows, uh, and everyone just agrees. A unit of corn and a unit of dilithium are the yeah, <laughs> same molecular a unit, weight. A unit of water is the same as a unit of. It dilithium. must be like molecular weight, right? Like, I, there's do there are too many because, what about gravity and what about like? Oh, there's so many yeah. things that cause like. How do you measure anything? I I just love that they just like, and Star Trek does this or uh, all the time, right? They just gloss over completely measurements of stuff. Yeah, you should, don't, like, don't oh, do yeah. it. Yeah, it's a, I love that this is how they do it. They're just like, oh, it's units. Like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah, that I'll, units. I'll Fifty units. Oh yeah, I know what a unit is. Totally, I'll t- I'll accept units from you, alien from the past or whatever. This is when if you know they're from the past, you tell them units have changed, man. It's three times the size now. Yeah, yeah, they, we upped it in like you know thirty oh seven because <laughs> we really needed more more units. Um, just what happens? Just play the play them, you know. Yeah, That's exactly. Funny. That's why Saru is clearly a bad negotiator. So yeah, uh, we get introduced to programmable matter. Yes, programmable matter, uh, which is basically a replicator that you can use out of a little pen. And it, it is a more complicated replicator. Okay. Right? Sure. It seems more complicated. It seems like the replicator was easier. Yeah. Yeah. You could just replicate stuff. But maybe this but, is more this is like more portable, right? And I guess, you know, you don't have the big starship or whatever to have your replicator powered on, so you can make this little thing with the pen. Yeah. Um okay. Uh it this guy Cal looks at it and is like, Oh, I know what we could do with this. Mm-hmm. 
even though this is thousand year old technology, this is like, I got one of these. It's a different thing, but it's basically the same. And it yeah. just like starts scribbling it out with the pen. And then Tilly's like, what is this? And he's like, are you a moron? Everyone knows what this is. It's right. programmable matter. Yeah. Until he's like, uh, yes, yes, I'm, I know I'm, <laughs> I am from your yes. time. <laughs> yes. Fellow human. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, they are trying to run them out of there as fast as they possibly can, though. Yes. Uh, because the and colony, as they call it, has a courier that has overtaken their basically things that we've alluded to. His name is Zara. And I think it's important to remember Zara's name because... Yes. I suspect he's going to show up again. He's also played by... Isn't he played by... Uh, what's his name? Roth? Oh. Um, Eli yes. Roth? could be who's his name hmm. i don't know what his name is to be honest with you uh i thought uh this is the part where i stopped liking this episode oh really i i have a complaint about this part but but meeting zara is not where i started disliking this oh, I, I, it's like everything that happens after he shows up is the stuff i'm not liking i dislike some and i like other parts okay maybe i'm wrong um, for that no, so he shows up and is like, "Oh, who are these people? What's you know, what's going on here? You guys being friends without giving me my cut?" You know, kind of uh -huh. um strong-arming him. Uh and predictably this goes bad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Of course it does. He immediately kills Cal. Right. Uh, uh and, and I was just like, "Well, why did we do this?" It's like as soon as he shot him, right? It's just like, "All right, you got us, you taught us this character, you got us invested in him, and then you're just like, nah, we need to pointlessly murder this guy for, like, no point at all. It just felt cruel, man. Like, I, I don't see why the show needed to, you know, okay, you want to shoot Cal, you want to maim him, or whatever. Why, I mean, I understand this. that is what this guy would do. He would just kill him. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not mad about it from a character standpoint. Sure. I don't feel like it needed to like, why did he have to shoot the character? The only character we know and like in this group of people. He was so evil. You could tell though that he shows up. And the first thing he says to Cal is how's the family. And Cal already oh, said yeah. that Zara's killed his whole family. Right. You know, so in, in a way he probably was always going to shoot him. Um, I guess I just, and I, this is, I think this is the contrast that they, that they set up in that ready room is, that Saru thought he could just walk in and, you know, his first impression is first contact. Oh, my goodness. The greatest thing in the world. It's going to go so swimmingly. We will negotiate and then we will remove, you know, and like. Right. Yeah. yeah. And this is like instance literally number one of his command where he has to try and make a decision. And it ends up with the people that are trying to help them getting murdered. Right. Oh, And it is it is the the naive uh, you know, the naivete to go out and just be like, well, I am here, the beacon of civilization. Welcome. Share in my light. And the guy's like, well, I have this gun. Uh, give me all your stuff, please. Yeah. And then, you know. Yeah. And know, so, like, there's consequences the to his naivete and his inability, it seems, to walk the gray line that the good captains eventually train themselves to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And and have the backup plan and know that people like Giorgio, who once we see Cal murdered, we know is got to come to the rescue here. Uh, yeah. 
that they provide the service they provide, right? Like <laughs> Riker doesn't go on away missions without Worf for a reason. Uh, yeah, totally. Right. Like Saru's away mission team is like Him himself and Tilly, no guns and Tilly, no guns. And to be clear, maybe Saru is a crack shot. I don't know, but you maybe want to have, you know, people with there's a reason you don't send the ensigns on away missions typically right right yeah and and i think that that's intentional i think all of this is intentional i think his death is intentionally make supposed to make you feel bad like uh because it's not supposed to work out for saru right well and and, you know it clearly doesn't right Right. and so they you know get into a big fight and Uh, joe shows up in the middle of it and kicks everyone's ass which is sweet (laughs) oh yeah and we get uh, head spines which was really gross it was gross and then i think this is where i have a problem uh i wanted to know why they're using torture guns and i didn't like that okay sure like these other guns that they that book and Burnham stole just make people obliterate people, yeah. yeah. And I mean that's pretty bad. They're super dead, yeah. Uh, when you do that, but these guns are just seem like they just like shoot you in the chest and just like burn and like leave you tortured for a while, and that sucked. Yeah, it does. Uh, just make them disruptors were better. <laughs> disruptors are better. Well, Michelle Yeoh would be dead then. Uh, okay, fair. <laughs> They could have had a different device or something. It doesn't matter. Uh, I didn't care. Um, I did care about this confrontation between her and Saru. Yeah. Because I feel like the writing here doesn't make sense to me. Saru got a little cartoonish. Saru develops plot armor here. Why? Someone needs to explain to me why Giorgio wouldn't look at this situation and gas everybody in the room with that rifle yeah just shoot them all right oh saru until he bought it there's this guy named zara he killed everybody i killed him and i got our thing back i'm now in charge yeah i don't understand why she would accept giving the thing back to saru i don't get it at all i literally and i don't get why she didn't just kill the guy like what's saru gonna do yeah, exactly. He's like, leave you here? She doesn't... Okay, you seem pretty capable of taking everything over by yourself. She so doesn't like him. Like, she is, first of all, racist against Kelpians. She murdered yeah. their entire species in her entire in her universe. Mm-hmm. Except for Saru, who she kept as a torture pet. She's an evil emperor from the evil universe, confronted with a Star Trek... A Starfleet captain from this universe, who has admonishes her strongly with his finger while she's holding yeah. a disruptor. Yeah. And she could just be like, and literally she could just murder everybody else in the room and walk away with the thing that needed fixing. Come back to the ship. Oh no, there was a fight. We, sur- I survived here. Let's go. Yeah. Um, makes absolutely no sense. I don't, uh, I don't get it. I don't understand I, it at all. I, I I didn't like this part either. And then it's, uh, yeah, you're right. You said cartoonish. And, you know, it is a, a Saru comes back and it is like, this is, you know, we are going to follow the protocol. We're going to do everything by the book. It's going to be great and right. And then eventually she's just like, yeah, okay. What? 
yeah. It's not. He gets angry and yells at her, and she's just like, oh, whatever. I'll I'll hand you the pistol, I guess. It's like, why would you? Why? At least make her keep the gun. I don't know. Why wouldn't she just walk out with the gun? I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, like, what is he going to do? The only thing I could think of was like, oh, she calculates that she needs them to find Burnham because she she ostensibly is very, very attached to Burnham and like needs to find her. But I don't know why she needs Tilly and Saru to do that. I mean, Zara just got here somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Take Zara's ship. No one says that. Why doesn't she go take Zara's ship? I don't you know, get it. Because it's, this... like, it's not like she cares about what happens to the colony. No. Right? She's just like, hey, who cares about these guys? What's, what about me? Saru says you can have Zara's stuff. That's not Saru. Right. Like, Saru's, exactly. What? George O doesn't George care. doesn't though. care. She could just take it. She does have the gun. Yeah. I, and the she... guy behind the bar does not have the gun. She was Section 31 before this. Going around the galaxy on her own is just fine. Yeah. I This is bad writing. There's no character motivation that I can come up with that makes enough sense. The calculation of I need them to find Burnham doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you could say she needs Discovery to find Burnham, and that's fine. So kill these two and take over Discovery. This is your chance right now. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the, I also didn't like the like fake time pressure here of the parasitic ice. Oh, I was going to get to the parasitic ice in just a second, but wow. It's just like, wow, the parasitic ice. So bad. Okay, so we got to move past this because none of us are going to come up with the answer. If you have the answer, if you work on Star Trek Discovery and you understand why she does this, if you have spoilers that tell us why she does this, don't tell us. But like, if there's a character motivation here that we're not seeing in the moment, you can you can email us, podcastwewerewgamers.com. Yeah, please do. I'm very curious. Tell me the character motivation that is not future knowledge. That makes it may sense. Be, it will be ex- it may be Andrew. It no, will be explained. It, it but she has a secret plan. It won't. Step. It's bad writing. This is bad writing. It is. Uh, and uh, worse and writing. Ice is also bad writing. Worse writing is parasitic ice. Uh, yep. It could just I, be really cold outside. You could just say that. Right? It wouldn't explain why the ice grows so fast, though. I understand why it the really ice grows cold. so why it's it can't. Ugh. It's stupid. It's stupid. So it's bad. Dumb. And they could just say, "Ah, we're on a like ice shelf, and the ship is too heavy, and it's breaking through it." Yeah. Done. Yeah. They literally like, we can't we can't lift off the shelf without shattering the shelf and falling through it, or you know what I mean. Like anything yeah. else would have been good in that because first of all, we have. Tilly's he Zara threatens that Tilly needs to run back to the ship and get his stuff before the ice kills her. Right. Okay. Well, ooh, that's evil. Second, the ship is under pressure because the ice is crushing it. We got to get it out. Okay, great. Third, now Saru, who won't kill Zara, leaves his fate to the people of the planet and they're like go out and get killed by the ice. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. How did they get back to the ship without getting killed by the ice? Transporter magic, my man. Did they take Zara's ship? What What did they do? Be- they uh, The only thing I can uh, surmise is that they have 
now have personal transporters because nothing else makes any sense. It, nothing. I mean, the only other they, thing that makes sense is say. they use Zara's ship, and then why didn't they use Zara's ship to help pull the other yeah, ship? Yeah, great question, right? I don't. This is all bad. Yeah. The end of this. Uh, the end of this I also falls apart completely after I, the confrontation with Saru and and Georgia. I, I also wrote that. Oh, the just like with they they are back and they're like, all right, let's take off, everyone. It's like repairs. Did we finish? Oh the yeah, repairs? because no uh, what's about the repairs? Stamets, Stamets fixed the whole ship by clicking that one thing into the thing. Oh, that was how you fixed, fixed the, the whole ship. ship. Clicking that one, yeah, the thing. one thing huh. clicked in, and then everything's fixed. Yeah, it really should have. Um, hmm. Yeah, bad. Why didn't they anyway, start with bad that writing? One? This yeah, thing fell apart, dude. One? This thing fell apart. It started off with such a good premise. I I was not upset uh, until. They got to the bar, and then uh, Zara showed up. I was fine even with Zara yeah. there, uh, and especially if Zara had become some sort of long-term bad guy, which is possible. I mean, yeah, who knows, right? Like, ah, he had a secret second ship, and now he's still... Yeah, he survived him. the ice somehow. Now he's up for revenge. I would and, be okay I with mean, that. I mean, if he turns into some kind of warlord, uh, that's better. I mean, I think the... They have set us up here. Uh, so oh, hold on, let's just finish the episodes. There's like ten more seconds. Okay, uh, they can't uh, get they, out they of the ice. Take oh no! Yep. What will we do? A ship shows up with a tractor beam and saves them. Who is it? It's Michael and Book. Yay! All right, end of episode. Michael has really long hair, and it's been a year there you since go. she got episode. here. All right. How lucky Great. for her! Yeah, thank goodness it wasn't fifty. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I they have set up this world in a way that they can now do like, so again, we talked about this last time uh, when we were watching lower decks, trying to see is like, is this going to be a narrative show or is this going to be a episodic thing where they're just going to kind of do monster of the week? Oh, stuff now that they're in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And they are at the same point again here. <laughs> are they going to do the narrative thing? I'm suspecting they are based yeah. on how these shows have gone. Or because they could from here do the further adventures of Book Michael and the Discovery crew in the thirty third century or whatever. What do right? you want? What what would make you happy? I don't know. Well, better writing than this episode for sure. This would was make me happy. this fell apart, man. It was so good at the start. It was fine to have these moments at the beginning that were kind of like, oh, mm, it, oh mm. and, and but like I I didn't think the setup for this episode was bad. No, there was not like mm -mm. the. And the first episode even had a bunch of new premise stuff. Like the fact that it was new was not the problem. Yeah. I'm okay with the new stuff. I want, you know, it's fun when they go explore and do stuff like that is part and parcel with Star Trek to me. Yeah. This just like trope into trope into awful writing. Just, oh God. I really hope it, it's more even going forward. It's just yeah. not a good start. Yeah, I mean, it, it will be hard to stomach if we have to watch an entire season like this episode for sure. And hopefully we don't. You know, we had our qualms with some of the stuff in season two as well. Oh, for so. sure. Yeah, I remember season two had its ups and downs as well. You know, I just it. I can I can sit here and disagree with you about that kid dying in mm -hmm. a good episode where you wish it had gone a different way. And I like that it went one way. If we sit here and debate the writing because that's the way it stands like the end of the Mandalorian. Sure. Then we're good. 
right. if we sit here and we say, well, I dislike it at a different point than you dislike it, but for the same reasons, once we get there, yeah, we're in trouble. And that's, yeah. you know, yeah. a lot of times we talk about not, not yucking someone's yum. Sure. If people are enjoying it, they should be allowed to enjoy it. I bag heavily on the last Jedi movie. And I, Mm -hmm. I think we call out and if you enjoy discovery, you should enjoy it and that's fine, but it's important to call out stuff that doesn't make sense because a, you could have missed something and someone could email you and say, this is what you missed. And then I'll say, I need to go back and understand this better. Mm -hmm. Or you could point out to someone that they're just eating a raw hot dog off a plate. Yeah. And like, yeah, you may like that, but your doctor at some point is going to tell you it's not good for you. Right. Like, or you know what? Hey, if you want to eat raw hot dogs here, uh, you're allowed, right? Again, we're not going to tell you to not, if if this is truly what you want in your heart of hearts. Yeah. But we have like a, a cooked sausage. Over here. <laughs> what if you tried this? Another another and- example would be, I will absolutely, I'm sure, at some point still in my life, even though I know it's not good for me, sit down and eat a whole package of mac and cheese. Mm. I'm going to do that one time, maybe two, because I know it's not good for me. Right? Like, right. it's okay to like stuff that's not good, but you should at least participate in the discussion of why something is fallible and understand it is okay to like things that are bad, right? As a personal connoisseur of movies that are kind of garbage, I like bad movies in a lot of cases, right? Bad quote unquote, like movies that are, that are made on bad, low budgets, intentionally use bad special effects or, or no special effects. I enjoy cheesy movies like that. I enjoy it, right? I'm not out here defending the filmmaking, though. I know it's bad. That's part of the charm (laughs) to me. Yeah. And I don't force other people to watch them with me if they don't want to, because I recognize if you don't enjoy this stuff, it is just bad (laughs) and not fun to watch. And so if you don't enjoy the, like, oh, look, they had to do this really stupid thing to get this shot because they have obviously no money. It's like, I think that's fun to watch in a silly movie. Yeah, and I I kind of fall on a different tack, right? I I enjoy that once in a while and only once in a while. Yeah, and and so it is totally okay to have criticisms. But yeah, I'm not going to bag on you watching all... I'm not going to bag on you watching all those those, uh, Sharknado movies because you're not out here telling me that it's a cinematic masterpiece. No, right? And, and you could tell people, oh, I love this one time when the guy gets decapitated by the shark flying through the air or whatever. And I did like that. It was funny. But I'm not out here telling you yeah. that you should like it. Right. And I don't think, you know, based on you know, Discovery is a hard recommend to people, I think. It is. It is a based on the yeah. quality that's out there in other TV, even stuff we've talked about on, you know, the main pod. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. I, the quality of this show is not great a lot of times. It's funny because it it's almost like, you know, in Hearthstone, since this is a mm-hmm. gaming podcast, uh, yeah. in Hearthstone, 
there's this period of time at the beginning of every new set dropping where it's the wild west. Yeah, sure. Um, and then I'm trying to phrase this correctly. The internet brain or the, so I, I I know the, I know the words for this. So the, uh, you're talking about that time right after a new set releases when the, sort of the strongest thing has not been found out yet, right? People don't know what are the good decks. People don't know what are how you use these this set of cards with the old cards to win, right? Yeah. And they have not made the most powerful, tuned... The most efficient deck possible efficient. is this exact yeah. set of cards. And yeah, yes. there might be four other options. And of course, because it is a rock, paper, scissors style game, there are direct counters and stuff like that, right? But right. and but, speaking of, like, I want to play Warrior, well, three months into it, there will be a one Warrior deck that you should play if you want to win. Correct. And that internet, the internet makes that seem like two things have happened. One, there's only one deck. And two, that if you're not playing that deck, you're doing it wrong. That is what yeah. the internet does, right? And so with the media, we have the same issue. We're, we're even participating in it now, right? The internet says, the Mandalorian is good. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Discovery is bad. Right. And if you're not watching the Mandalorian and you enjoy Star Trek Discovery, you're wrong. Is the impression that the absoluteness of groupthink creates. Yeah, and I think it is... But it it's is not... Say, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I think it, it is fair to say that, like, if you are measuring things qualitatively in terms of how you should spend your time, you know, and you only get to pick one, I might make a recommendation in a certain direction. Right, and that is but what the you, internet is good for. But it is not... It is also okay to say there are problems with the thing you like, and it is okay to like a thing that is not that good and still enjoy your time with it, right? We enjoyed our time with episode one here quite a bit. I did anyway. I thought it was Absolutely. pretty good. Yeah. And, but it's, I'm trying to create a thesis here that, and I'm working, this is, I'm, I'm workshopping this live with you that yes, the group think is good for, for efficiency's purposes, right? Efficiently. I want to know what shows are good and what are not. Metacritic tells me, or Rotten Tomatoes tells me that Stranger Things is a show that is worth my time. It's not wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Metacritic doesn't, in that instance, steer you wrong. Metacritic would also tell you, or Rotten Tomatoes would also tell you not to spend your time on The Last Jedi. And that's where people get into this stickiness of, you're yucking my yum, I like this. Okay, but if you if you don't take the efficiency idea into effect here and you want to engage with media outside of these things that people say is bad, you should engage with the ideas of why people say it's bad. Right? Like you should all, I think a lot of people and why I like doing this and star Wars and talking about media is goes into finding the things that are good and that are not good. And like, really thinking about it is important to understand the criticisms 
on the thing that you are doing or reading or watching. Yeah. Right? It, it, and whether they are valid or not is even kind of besides the point, right? Like if they, if there's a criticism being made against a thing, you should be able to look at that and go, well, let me see the thing myself and then decide whether I think this criticism is valid or not. Yeah. It, and, but if you just completely ignore every criticism of something and say that this thing is amazing and perfect and accept no criticisms of it, that too is wrong, yeah. right? Like you need to be able to understand things that other people see and have issues with in the thing that you like. It's tough to that be. That doesn't mean it has yeah. to be bad. It just means that like, hey, not everyone agrees with my opinion of this. It's tough and to be. Yeah. It's tough to be agreeing with the criticism of the majority, but also try to to push deeper on it. Right. So like if I don't like something, but the majority of people don't like it, then it feels like I'm dogpiling personally. Right. And I'm, so I try to think mm. deeper about why I don't like something. So like a lot of people don't like discovery. A lot of people do like discovery, but a lot of people did not and have not gotten this far. And one of the reasons is what we've explored today in this episode of oftentimes the plot is the only thing that matters here. And getting from A to B is the only thing that matters here. And so the plot armor of the situation where Giorgio would have just killed everyone in this room if we had thought about this for five minutes yeah. is something that needs to be explored. Even if I sat down at the end of these two episodes and said, I'm ready to watch three more. Yeah, same. And, and it truly, I, at the end of the second one, I even though I recognized the bad writing that happened, I was like, well, maybe the next one will be better, right? The... And season two even had this big problem, right? Where they had clearly a like set out plot. They were planning from the very beginning. Here's the arc that we're going to do for season two. Yeah. Everything else be damned because all we want to do is tell this story about these seven signals and this arc of stuff going, you know, Burnham and uh, the ship trying to figure out what these signals are and how this, how Spock ties into all this and blah, blah, blah. And, the same things that happened in the microcosm here of this one episode two happened all last season when they're like, why would they do this? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it's the signal that's leading them to this. It's like fifth dimensional chess of you trying to figure out why anyone would act this way, mm -hmm. but because they need them to show up at the next planet where the signal shows up. Yeah. Is the answer, right? Yeah. It's funny looking through because I've been quoting Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic looking through Discovery's Rotten Tomatoes meter is just fascinating because the critics are adore it. The critic rating of 30 critics is always above 80 for all three seasons. Wow. The audience rating is in the thirties and forties for all three seasons. Yeah. I, and that does not surprise me at all. No, it doesn't. Two things going on there, right? Number one, uh, this is a problem with sites like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic just in general. And that sort of, in the system that exists and we now there is no way around it. And the, the problem is that the studios and the, the services and stuff that give these critics access to these films and shows early. Yeah. They can't get too critical or else they get their rights to see them taken away. Yeah. That's why the last Jedi has got a 90% critic rating. And so the, but a 30% audience rating. And then, right, once the critic has published that, they then can't go back and edit it later after having seen it a second time and going, actually, you know what? I was wrong here. That never happens. Mm -hmm. And those sites never get updated, right? It's like critics never 
all of them want to publish as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. And no one ever waits to like see how the movie does in the public and then incorporate that into their review because that's bad or something. Mm -hmm. And so then you, they're like, oh, well, that's why we separated it into these critics' reviews, which came out early, generally before the public could see it. And then the public's reviews of people going like, I hated this. It was terrible. Yeah. And then they they throw these two things together and create some kind of overall score, which means nothing because they're no like they're not you're comparing apples and oranges there. At least when you're comparing critics to other critics, you can understand like everyone is kind of similar circumstances probably over here. Yeah. And the public score makes sense because it's his own pool of people who just watched it when it was available and most of them probably didn't like it because, you know, they didn't they didn't actually like it. And that's that's fine too. But then something like Metacritic comes along and copies everyone's score and then just rolls it all into some number and tells you, this is the overall worth of the one thing. Yeah. Nothing, the the holy number here that cannot be argued against, everything is accounted for. It's funny. And no, that's not how it works. It's funny because we can bookend this podcast now with Tim Rogers again. Uh, okay, there you go. He, he looked into kind of like, how do you determine the best of something? And I actually disagree with this, right? So I'm not an, I'm not an evangelist for this man, but I do think he thought critically about this and I would debate him on it. Um, he, he looked into pizza reviews and, and video game reviews for things he liked. And he, he tried to prove, prove the theory that the thing with the most reviews is actually good. Even if the reviews aggregate to bad. Hmm. I, so I having I can understand coming to that conclusion. I can too, and I can understand having the debate about it. But having been a purveyor of many things on Amazon, mm-hmm. those numbers are often inflated by yeah. paid reviews, by free access to things, well, and just like straight up like fake reviews, fake reviews, and also yeah. yeah, and also many things skew more negative than they would as well because people review more often when they're angry. So you end up creating these large numbers of reviews that are skewed directly towards the middle because they're offsetting each other, right? I think And so I, so my theory think, though is the the most reviews is something that is not often the best, but something that is often the most accessed or the most accessible. So like the last Jedi is going to have a lot of reviews that sure. does not make it a good film for me personally. Uh, and I, I think this is something that people disagree with, right? With oh, me. So I think there are but, two, th- there are two things that you're, you're talking about there though, whether something is good for you, something that you personally will like, yeah, as opposed to whether something is quote unquote, well, I would have the debate that that movie is bad. Um, but I think there are many other things that are bad that have lots of reviews, a lot of them, right? And especially when you come to like products and stuff like that. Um, they are think, often the most reviewed and the most sold because they are the cheapest. Well, why would I pay $2 more to do this things? Right. So like, I, I think the, whatever is put in front of people is often the thing that is reviewed most. I think the, argu- I think the argument there uh, has to, I don't. I think Tim Rogers would then probably 
not agree with this argument only because once you bring cost in, like he, I think he would be talking about two similarly priced things. Okay, but determining which is best because it, once you bring cost into the argument, yeah, obviously the cheaper one is going to win every time. It's right? going to be because, most reviewed, right? So here's another example. Then, by his logic, The Last Jedi is a better movie than Tenet because Tenet has only been given to critics and released slightly in theaters until this last week. So there's not going to be many reviews aggregated for it, right? Uh, but I, I guarantee you without watching it, the Tenet is a better movie than, than Last Jedi. Probably. But I, I think there's something else to say that like, you know, th that is a – using this method requires some amount of time to have passed because otherwise you don't have – Right, and and so my argument it's about – It's impossible to get you – My argument about cheapest is not always uh, applicable because it's not a product, but I'm just saying accessible. So like – yeah, sure. pizza places get a lot of reviews because they're accessible, right? Like it's very right. easy I to mean, find a pizza shop. But and a slice of pizza costs a dollar fifty. Right, but the twenty three dollar pizza Italiano Napolitano place near my uh, grandmother's house is hard to get to, expensive, and makes very niche types of pizza. Right, then it's not Domino's, mm -hmm. so they have less reviews. And so I think I would I would change his theory up to they're the most accessible things to people mentally and physically accessible. And Star Trek discovery might not be the most accessible mentally or, or financially. Yeah, um, I, I think, I mean, I think that financially is, you know, pretty true, right? You have to subscribe to this weird service just to even get the one, you know, the, the Star Trek service. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so, you know, there's that for sure. Uh, and then, people that watch it then are more likely to be either really mad about it not being the thing they want because they subscribe solely for this yeah. or they're going to be ardent defenders of how much they love it because they sunk money into it and then don't want to admit that it's bad. Yep. And so I think it is, it is a difficult place, especially because of where CBS put this, like it is difficult to get a lot of people. It, it is difficult to get, you know, I would say that discovery has an issue of not enough people have seen it and now not enough people want to see it because of all the other people that did see it are talking about how bad it has been. Yeah. Interestingly, I think maybe there are a I, lot of people who would love it that just are never going to subscribe to CBS all access because they don't want to subscribe to some other fifth streaming service. I have or. heard that people are watching it on TV now. I don't know if that's true. I believe the first season is on TV now. There you go. Um, I mean, maybe you could just skip straight to season three. I'm not sure that it would matter. You'd be confused as to why they were in the future, but I mean, it, it kind of like doesn't matter, right? Back to, yeah. They're not going to go back anymore. So yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, uh, I'm excited to watch three more since we're wrapping out here. Uh, because yeah. I, I'm curious, I want to see this era of Star Trek. I've liked, yeah, I, I like the setup here. Yeah. I, I think we agree that we, we enjoyed this these episodes as like viewing time. Yeah. You know, but I, again, we, you know, we acknowledge the failures yeah. and, uh, you know, it is not to say that we hated these episodes or thought that they were terrible. Just, we I'm, hated I'm, parts of them. I'm though. real put off by that, that writing with Giorgio real put off. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a different complaint than I think that a lot of people who don't like this stuff have had, you know? Yeah. I, I think a lot of the, the, the complaints I've seen out there on quote unquote, the internet uh, about discovery season two and three. I don't know that I largely agreed with. So I, 
I I have my own complaints about season two. We go back and listen to our podcasts about them. Yeah. You can hear them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that it largely was as a fan of Star Trek, a fun time that I don't know is going to like stick with me for 40 years or anything. So I'll have to leave you uh, with one last thought. We might need to rename the podcast because I don't know that you can make a subspace transmission in the future. Dang, man. Mm-hmm. Mm. This has been a subspace transmission, and we'll see if it is in the future. I'm not renaming the podcast. No, too real. No, I know. All right. It was nice to do this. We're going to see you next month with three more episodes of Discovery. If you're following along, that'll be three, four, and five. If you're watching yes, it with please. us. Please. Please join us. Please join us. Enjoy this journey because we're only in this galactic plane once unless you get shot to the future. (laughs) And bounce off a ship. And crash land. (laughs) 